0: Hey everybody. How you guys doing this morning? We're so glad to be back here in the warm, warm, sunny San Diego, little piece of heaven. I don't know how you guys do it. I just don't know how you live in this kind of climate at all, but we are thrilled to be here. Some of you uh, know me from the past. Some of you don't. The church is growing so much. How many know you're in a good church this morning, right? And uh, just growing. And uh, as the video said, we are privileged. Pastor Aaron and Amanda are great friends of ours, been friends for many years. What you might not know is that he serves on our overseeing board of the church that we planted. And, uh, and let me just take the moment to say thank you. What a lot of you might not know is this church has blessed us financially to be able to plant in Detroit. How many know Detroit is a city that needs Jesus, right? I mean, there's some... T- just watch the news. We're always on there. and. Um, and, uh, but this church has invested financially in us, and I want to thank the leadership team for believing in what we're doing there. Pastor Aaron has personally invested in us, and uh, isn't it good to know that you're a part of something bigger than what's going on just right here, that we're a part of what God is doing globally? And uh, also, we are here this week because um, we, we've we been here all week, just enjoying your city. This is the first time that I've come with my wife, and she's with me this time. Patty, would you? Just say hi real quick. Hi, Patty. Somebody said to me earlier, you look happier than you did last time you were here. Well, that's because my wife's traveling with me and we've been in the city all week and uh, we've gone to the zoo and the sea world. We've just looked like tourists is what we've done. And uh, But we're here because we are celebrating our 25-year wedding anniversary uh, and uh, so um, just having a good time. Well, I want to dive right into today's message. I'm taking it from a series. It's a five-part series that I just recently preached at home called The Contender. How many know we're all contending in the faith, right? And uh, this is not a sorority or a Boy Scout club. I mean, there's a battle going on, and we have to contend for the things and the destinies that God has for us. Now, I I will say, if you want the most of this message, I'm just going to extract a few high points out of the series. If you want to, it's totally free. You can go to our webpage, which is New Generations, which is plural, newgenerationschurch.com. And you can watch, I think there's five parts in the series. uh, But I'm just going to pull a few things out of that. And I want to speak to you about triumphing over temptation. How many of you ever are tempted? Right. All right. My goal is to get everybody to raise their hand for something before we leave here today. I like interaction. All right. I don't I'm not a lecturer. I need a little interaction. That's why I brought toys and presents and all kind of things here today. But we get tempted, right? You know, last night around midnight. Come on, ladies, that chocolate cake was calling you out. (laughs) Men, too. I know. All right. And, you know, we we all get tempted. Even Jesus got tempted. And, And isn't it interesting that most of us have a familiar temptation? We, we have one thing that, ha, that, that has a tendency to cause us turmoil, that, 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 that we stumble on. And so I want to talk about today how to triumph over that. So I'm going to take you, it's in your message notes, I'm going to take you to the book of James, chapter number 1. And, uh, and, and again, if you want the most out of the message, I would just challenge you to read chapter number one, the first 12 verses of chapter number one, uh, are about the tests and the trials that we face in life. And then starting in verse number 13, through the entirety of the chapter, it begins to talk to us about the temptations that we face in life. So I want to read with you just a little bit of that. And it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Now, I don't know about you, but I already don't like that verse. Because if, if you're like me, I don't want to remain steadfast under the trial. I want to be delivered from the trial altogether. Anybody else can relate to that? I just don't even want to go through it. Come on, I'm like every other American. I want the blessing without the battle. Can anybody relate to that, right? I want the testimony without the test, right? But blessed is the man, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted. This is very interesting because he's kind of changing gears here. He moves from being under a test or a trial into temptation. And he says, now, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now some translation, this is important for you to know, some translations, and in the original Greek, it used the word temptation through the entirety of the chapter. And because the word temptation in the original has multiple meanings. How many know even, we have words that have multiple meanings in them, right? Bad can mean bad, (laughs) And bad can mean good, right? And if you have teenagers, sick can... You, we know what sick means, but now sick is cool, I guess. And so we have words that have multiple meanings. And the word temptation, in some translation, it doesn't say trial. It says temptation through the entirety. The first 12 verses are about a trial. Let me, let me say it this way to help give us a working definition. A, a, a trial is something that God orders in our life to better our faith. A temptation is something the enemy brings on to batter our faith. A trial or a test is to cause us to go up where a temptation, its purpose is to cause us to give up. So how many of you today would say, I'm ready to go up. I'm ready to go to the next level that God has for me in my life, the next level of blessing. So out of that, what I want to do, I told you, I just highlight some high points in this. I want to talk to you about the blessing of temptation, the battle of temptation, the bait and the birth of temptation. So let's look at it and let's go back um, into that and read one more time as we talk about the blessing of temptation. Let me talk to you. uh, Let's go to verse number two in that verse. And again, that should be in your notes. And it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know what's the matter with James when he wrote this verse. But my first reaction to a test and a trial is not joy, right? Is anybody? Some of you, I mean, you're probably a little spiritually farther along than I am, but my first response is not joy. So James has to remind us, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Of many kinds. I mean, no trials come in all kind of different faces, all kind of different ages and stages, right? And then it goes into, um, I'll just skip ahead to verse number 12. It says, blessed is the man who perseveres, which we already read. So anyway, I thought of a lot of ways to describe this to you from a theological perspective and bring in all kind of supporting scripture. Now, I know your pastor pretty well, and that's exactly what he would have done. He's like the mad scientist. He's like a brainiac. He calls me all the time. Oh, guess what? I learned this word means, and he gives me like 20 definitions of what the word means. And, um, and but I'm simple. My name's Ken, K-E-N. I'm real simple. Uh, you know, I don't have... Two letters to start my name with. I don't, I don't, I, my name's Ken, alright? And so I'm simple and I need props because I don't have 20 definitions. And even though I thought about all the theological ways to bring understanding, I just thought I would do it with some props. Everybody with me? You're going to feel like you're in children's church for a minute. Is that okay? Alright. I, I said that in the earlier service and one guy said, Finally, yeah! Alright, so anyway, that's the kind of person I need to talk to. Well, I brought this gift today. And this gift, it's just symbolic, okay? It's just symbolic of the blessings of God. How many want the blessings of God, all right? Like I said, I'm going to try to get you to raise your hand before the day's over, all right? So the blessings of God or the favor of God. God, how many, we need to understand that God wants to bless us. He's not in heaven going, oh, I'm going to keep all the blessings from them. He wants to bless us. The Bible said it's His good will to bless His children, to cause us to prosper to be the head and not the tail, the victor and not the victim, right? God wants to bless us. So this right here represents the blessings of God. It represents the favor of God. It represents the breakthrough that you might be looking for right now in your life. Perhaps you're up against it and you're battling that same thing that seems to pull you down every time. And you're looking for a breakthrough and you just feel like, man, I just keep hitting my head on the ceiling. And I'm just, man, am I ever going to get through this and get to the next level. Well, we know that God is a good steward, so he's not going to bless us with something externally that we're not big enough internally to handle. Okay, and a lot of times we'll see very successful, very highly successful men and women. They'll have some kind of failure in their life. And when we see that happen, we recognize that their external world became bigger than their internal world. But God's a good steward. And though he wants to bless you with abundance, he knows who we are on the inside. And so in order to handle the external blessing that he has for us, he'll order up an internal blessing. Test or trial. And the test or trial usually has some weight to it. How many know what I'm talking about? And there's usually some resistance involved. Now, uh, they, they still haven't corrected this problem, and, and I don't really know. I'm a, uh, Jason, I don't know if you know him, but I asked him for these props, and the first prop he bought was a, a five-pound pink dumbbell. Yes, now, I, you know, I might not be the manliest-looking dude there ever is, but do I look like a five-pound pink dumbbell? Don't you even say a word. I'll punch you in front of everybody right here. All right. So, so he got rid of the pink dumbbell and he brought, I don't know if he thinks I'm weak, but like he brought me, he brought me 15 pounds to represent the tests we go through. Here's all I got to say. Small tests, small blessings. Bigger tests, bigger blessings. And some of you are in the test of your life because God is ready to bring you to a new level and a new promotion in your life. And what once was your ceiling is going to become the floor that you have to stand on. Here's the good news. If you're in a trial and a test right now, it means that God sees fit to bring a promotion in your life because where you're at is not where you have to stay. And what you have is not all that you can have in life. Isn't that good news, everybody? Come on now. And so... So God orders a test in our life, and this dumbbell just represents that because I'm going to wrestle with this. I'm going to resist it. I'm going to, I'm going to work with it. It's going to tire me out. And if you've ever been in a test, like Jacob, he wrestled with God. If you've ever been in a trial, how many know those trials, they can wear you out. They can, they can t- take away your energy. They take away our peace. They take away our joy. We expend something in those trials, right? Now here's something I want you to notice. I could go to the gym, and I can pick up dumbbells and I can work out with them every single day of the week. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that the weight never changes. The dumbbell doesn't change, but as I resist it and as I work with it and as I exercise with it and as I do my repetition, I'm the one that changes. The weight never changes. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a powerful lesson there. See, many times as Christians, we want the weight. We want the trial to change. God's not interested in the trial changing. He's interested in the me changing. It's interesting as a pastor because people will come up to me and say, hey, Ken, I just really want you to agree with me in prayer that I'll have that breakthrough. I'll get that blessing that I'll have the favor of God on my life. So we join hands and we pray. And I'm telling you the next Sunday they come back and they'll say something like, man, I've been In the trial of my lifetime, the devil is on me. Well, we Christians like to blame everything on the devil anyway. You know, the devil's out hiding out back crying saying, man, those Christians blame everything on me. And it really isn't the devil at all. The trial that they're wanting to be delivered from often is the very answer to the first prayer that we prayed. We want the blessing of God. So we sometimes have to go through the test that God provides in our lives. Right, everybody? And he's interested not in the trial changing but in me changing. I'm convinced God is not interested in delivering me out of the trial. He's more interested in who I become in the midst of the trial. That's what God is interested in. My daughter, we have two kids. My son, three weeks ago, just got married out in Seattle. And uh, they're still honeymooning. And um, and my daughter, she's 20, she's our youngest, and she was moving from the fourth grade. My wife homeschooled her until she was in the fourth grade. And then she wanted to go to this private school. And there was a lot of qualifications to the private school. One of which she had to take a test to see if she qualified academically to be in the school. So we dropped her off at the school to take this test. And she took the test. We picked her up afterwards. She got in the car and she was just very discouraged. Oh man, that was the hardest test ever. And she kind of was discouraged the rest of the day. The next morning, the school called us and the school informed us that she had passed the test to get into their school. And as if that wasn't enough, they told her that they had made a mistake. She was supposed to be testing to go into the fifth grade, but they had accidentally given her the test to put her in the sixth grade, How many know she moved from being discouraged and depressed to being overjoyed, right? She started going around the house singing to her brother, I am smarter than you are, you know, that kind of thing, right? And so that's what James is saying. He says, consider it joy. Don't get down. Don't get discouraged when you're in that test because God has a promotion. I've come from Detroit to tell you some of you are on the brink of making your ceiling into your new platform. Where you're at is not where God intends you to stay. you're in a test you're in a trial because god has a level of promotion for you do you receive that today amen the second thing that we need to see is we need to talk then about the battle that we have the battle of temptation the bible says further in the book of james he says but when tempted everybody say that with me when tempted the reason i want you to say that it doesn't say if tempted It says when tempted in other words, we're all going to be tempted. I get tempted. You get tempted All god's children get tempted even jesus got tempted when he was on the earth And so james is saying look don't don't freak out. Don't flip out when you're tempted No one should say it's god doing it god's not trying to cause you to fail And by the way, the devil can't make you fail. How many know that leaves one person? right and so here's what I want to do. Again, I'm kind of a visual person, so I just want you to imagine, and this is how the best way I know how to explain this. I want you to imagine that here, I stand here on the platform and I want you to imagine all around me is a circle of doors all around me, just connected door after door after door and I want you to notice that on the outside on your side of the door there's no doorknobs on my side, which is what I would call the inside, there are doorknobs and those doors have different labels all around them and each one of those labels represent a different temptation that I'm going to have to deal with in my life now let me give you a working definition for the word temptation the word temptation is trying to fulfill a godly desire in an ungodly way a temptation is when we try to fill a godly desire in an ungodly way, so one of the natural godly desires that God gave a husband and a wife is for them to have intimacy together that 's a godly desire, but there are doorways in our life with labels on them that say things like lust and pornography and extramarital affair, adultery, all those kind of things, and those are the temptations to fulfill a godly desire in an ungodly way God wants. To to bless us with material blessings, and there are ways to do that in a godly way. But how many know there are plenty of opportunities to do that in an ungodly way, right? Through greed, materialism, and uh, uh, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, all kinds of ways to get those godly desires in an ungodly way. Now, here's what I want you to notice the enemy will knock on every one of those doors. And how many know that we live in a world where there's a lot of doors for sin? There's there's a lot of opportunities to sin. Am I right? Yeah. right? Not just in Detroit, but in San Diego too, right? There's a lot of opportunities to sin, everybody. And so the enemy will knock on those doors until he finds the door that, that probably has the least resistance to it. And we're all predisposed to having some weak doors in our life. And so what happens is he can't open the door, so he can't make you sin. Mm-hmm. God's desire is not to cause you to fail because he's put a test in our life, not a temptation in our life. The only doorknob is the nor- doorknob from the inside. And only you and I have the opportunity to open that door. And here's what happens. When we open that door, we, whether we open the door and do a cannonball right into sin, by the way, we don't fall into sin <laughs> I, I hear people all the time say, I just fell into sin. No, you don't. You thought about it. You opened the door. You planned it, right? You didn't just fall in that woman's bed accidentally. You thought about it, right? You didn't think about those sins. I mean, you didn't just fall into those sins. You opened the door and you walked through it. When you walk through it, first of all, whether you open the door this big or you do a cannonball into sin, the moment you open that door, you give the devil a foothold and he now knows what area to work on in your life. Because of a predisposed, what we're going to talk about, uh, a a warped hunger in our life, that's the reason we chose that doorway to open. And here's what happens. When I do that, I walk out of His light, His marvelous light, into a dark, sinful world. And the Bible says in the book of Jude that God has given demons right... to to roam in dark places. And so the moment I give the devil a foothold, he has access to drag me away by my own evil desire. So let's talk about that. Number three is the bait, the bait of temptation. And let's look at this next verse. It's very intriguing to me. It says, but each person is tempted so that again everybody's tempted each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire now if you believe in underlining if you have like an old fashioned bible with pages not an iphone or a u version or whatever um i, I want you to even in your notes circle your own evil desires so in other words, the enemy, what doorway worked for me might not work for another person. See, if you put a big bag of cocaine right here right now, I wouldn't be waiting for the service to uh, get done so I can smuggle it out the back because that doesn't tempt me. That bag of cocaine, I've never done drugs, done, not interested in drugs, but there's somebody within the sound of my voice between last night and today that they're trying to overcome that temptation, and that's a temptation to them. Now, cocaine or drugs, that's not my temptation. There's some other things you could put on this table that would be my temptation, but that's none of your business. I'm not going to tell you about those. All right. So, but we all have our temptations. And, and so when we talk about, we are all pulled away by our own evil desires. Watch this. We are created in the image of God. And we understand that God is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three parts make one. We're created the same way. We're created, first of all, our bodies. Okay? That's the first part of me. Then there's the soul part of me. The soul part is uh, the way we think, our personality types. That's our soul. It's our psyche. It's our appetites. It's our moods. I mean, we all have different moods, right? And uh, so it's our moods. Don't be elbowing your spouse. Okay, so we have different moods and psyches and hungers, the way we think, the way we're wired. That's our soul. It's our mind. And then... There is the spirit side of us, but we understand because of the sin of Adam and Eve that we're all born spiritually dead. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3 3 that unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So what happens in life is that when we're born, we're spiritually dead, so our soul has some appetites and recognizes there's a void in our life, and the longer we go without serving Christ, the more we begin to try the things of the world to fulfill the hunger or the void that the dead spirit is that has in our life. Is everybody tracking with me? Remember, it's a godly desire. I'm trying to find God. It's a godly desire in an ungodly way. And so some of the things that we try to fill the void can be good. Some of them are sinful. Some of them are good. I want a good career. I want to have nice things. I want to have success. They're not bad in, in themselves. Some people go for great education. They want to learn more. There's nothing bad about that, but we begin to find that that doesn't fill the void. And then sometimes it graduates and escalates to all kinds of other things. And you can fill in the blanks, drugs and just whatever they are. Well, what happens when we're trying those things? We're trying to feed an appetite, a godly desire. And as we do that, what happens is our appetites become twisted. Now, I want you to go back to the verse, but we're all pulled away by our own evil circled The word evil, evil comes. We get the word evil from the word wicked. We get the word wicked from the word wicker. We get the word wicker from the word twisted. And when we try the things of the world, our appetites get twisted. And it creates strongholds in our mind. Anybody here have wicker furniture? You take these little twigs. They're not strong by themselves. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, you can break them. They they don't hold you up. But you start taking multiple twigs and twisting them together. And they become strong. You take little appetites and begin to twist them in your life. It becomes a stronghold. And that wicker becomes wicked. That wicked becomes evil. And now the devil just sits there and goes... And He begins to wheel us in and pull us in by our own warped, twisted appetites through the things that we've done and the things that have been done to us. Some things happened to us as a young kid that were not our choice. I, I'm a product of a mom getting married to an outlaw biker when she was 15 years old. I was born when she was 16 and living in the backseat of a car with her by the time she was 20. I helped lead her to the Lord when I was 11 as she held a gun to her head. Now, how many know you could fill in all the blanks between all that and recognize that I was exposed to some things that I shouldn't have been exposed to, right? And it twisted some appetites and it messed up some emotions in my life. And now the devil just sits back and says, now I got them right? And we're all pulled away by our own evil desires. Let me give you this illustration. I know it's crude, but I'll just give it. Let's say there's this girl that grows up on this side of town as a little girl. And, and she lives with her stepdad and somebody in her life. And I don't mean to be crude, but somebody in her life has sexually molested her. And that's the facts. I mean, the stats of that are outrageous in the world we live in. And what happens is it twists her emotions. It twists her appetites. And so what happens, it sends a message. She could respond a lot of different ways, but let's go down one path. All of a sudden, there's a message that says, My only value is my sexuality. So let's leave her here for a minute, and let's go to the other side of town. And on the other side of town, there's a little boy growing up, and his mom and dad go through a bitter divorce, and he gets to spend the weekends with his dad, but his dad is bringing home a different lady every night, and he, his appetites and his godly desires are getting twisted, and evil, and wicker, and strongholds are developing in his life and he begins to learn that the only way to be a real man is to conquer women. And one night he decides, I'm going to go to the club. Why? Because he has an appetite. He has a godly appetite. He's looking for joy. He's looking for peace. He's looking for some satisfaction. So I'm going to go to the coolest club in town. And her and her girlfriends, they get together and they have some appetites and some desires too. They think alcohol will bring them joy. They think drugging will bring them joy. They think clubbing will bring them joy. So they have a godly desire that they're going to fulfill in an ungodly way. And they both show up at the same club. At the same time, there's 200 people at the club, but before the night's over, his eyes are going to catch her eyes and they're going to come together and they're going to damage each other further. How many know that I'm telling what happens in our world all the time? And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principle. It's not about that guy. And it's not about that girl. It is about a, a devil who is wheeling us in through our twisted appetites, through the accidents and the incidents of life and the things we've been exposed exposed to and the twisted thinking and appetites and hungers that every single one of us have is everybody tracking with me so far and how many know then the devil will use those people to further damage each other and now he'll blame her and he'll or she'll blame him and he'll blame her but it's really a devil that's out to still kill and destroy our life which brings me to point number four point number four is the birth of temptation And the Bible says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Wow. See, here's what happens. The desire keeps saying to the will, will you? (laughs) And, um, and here's what happens. Watch. Let's just say for a minute, you come to church, you get saved, you give your life to the Lord. Now your spirit man is alive. But how many know just because your spirit man is alive doesn't mean the appetites are all fixed. How many know Christianity is a journey and it's a process? I, 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 you understand what I'm saying, right? And, and, and so it's a process. And if you're trying to live Christianity just on your will, desire, wrong appetites are eventually going to overcome your strong will. Christianity is more than self-discipline. And it's more than you doing better. See, that's what religion says. Religion says change from the outside in. God says, I want to change you from the inside out. And desire, which is warped, keeps saying to will, will you? Well, eventually the will's going to give out because I missed church that day, and the pastor didn't call me, and I missed my small group. So my will's a little weak, and so desire overcomes, and they give birth to something called sin. And Hebrews tells us that sin is pleasurable for a moment, and 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 desire and will give birth to a baby, and and you know what? That baby is named sin. And if I confront you about your sin, you'll protect your sin. You know why? Because it's your baby. And I've been a pastor for 26 years. I've gone to multiple hospitals and seen newborn babies. And every family says this to me. Aren't they the prettiest baby you've ever seen? Huh? And I don't mean no disrespect. As a pastor, externally, I say yes. I, I just, oh, they are so cute. And they, isn't their color good? I, I don't know. I mean, what are they supposed to be, green? I, I don't know. I'm a guy. I, I just don't get that. Don't, you know, don't they look like their mother? And I'm like, man, I don't know. Your mom's not bald. I, I just, I don't get it, you know. And they they, they say, aren't they the prettiest baby you ever seen? And externally, I say, yeah, internally, I'm thinking, no, they're not. Because when they're an hour old, they all look like California raisins. You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, it's just, and and but they, they, that's the prettiest baby and that's what happens to us. We give birth to sin and we'll protect that sin. We'll cherish that sin. It's the prettiest sin ever anybody's ever seen. But here's what happens to that little baby. We've gone through it. That baby grows up. It becomes a teenager and that sin will eat you out of a house and home and leave messes everywhere. Mm-hmm. I got to close, so let me just give this illustration. I brought this little yellow Camaro with me today. Again, Jason, I asked for a bigger one, but if that's the way you want to play it, that's fine. All right, let's see if I can draw. Oh, here we go. How many of you have ever in life just been, you know, you're now serving God? Let's just because everybody needs to know. It helps us on the journey to you know we're not the only one. How many of you have ever started serving God and things are good, but you do something that's not God-pleasing and you wonder, why do I do what I don't want to do? Anybody here at all? Anybody ever wonder, why do I keep falling for that? Why do I keep falling over that issue? Why is it always that chocolate cake that brings me down? And all of us have that one thing, the Achilles' it's heel. It's not a lot of things. It's just that one thing that I seem to stumble on. It's that losing temper and throwing dishes. It's the whatever it is. It's that one thing that, man, I, I, I've been around here. I've repented. I've asked God to forgive me. I've, but it's just that one thing because we're all pulled away by our own evil desires. And we're, and we're going along life pretty good. I've got to learn how to drive here and we're making some progress and before we know it we just have a crash We just cr- like what happened i was just at a prayer meeting last night what has gone wrong why do i do what i don't want to do because by our own evil desires so how do we do that how do we fix that well the bible says in ephesians chapter number 4 to be renewed by the spirit of our mind in the spirit of our mind In other words, change the warped, twisted thinking. How do I do that? Well, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, we renew our mind. And whatever we feed grows. And you start feeding the Spirit. And stop feeding the soul, and the spirit will become stronger. And what happens is we get renewed, and the things we used to have appetites for, we no longer have appetites for anymore. And those things, how many have been saved long enough, you look back at who you used to be and go, who was that? Anybody at all? Uh-huh. And, and now you can journey in life and you're heading toward your destiny. Luke chapter number 4 says something very interesting. The devil came to tempt Jesus too. But it says something very curious. It says, but, but the devil had nothing in him. In other words, he had nothing to drag him away with. He didn't have warped appetites. He didn't have wrong hungers. But I do. And i got to change those hungers by being renewed in the spirit of my mind. And that happens through every church service. It happens through every sermon. It happens through every worship service. Every small group I go to. Every parent conference that I go to. Every fusion group that I go to. See, we as pastors, we don't tell you to do those things because we're trying to change you from the outside in. We're trying to tell you to come to those things so the Word of God gets in you and changes you from the inside out. Now the devil comes along to mess your destiny up, and guess what? He has no control. He has no authority. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when you reach the destiny that God has for you and you triumph over the temptations. How many will receive that today? You got that? Amen? And remember this. The enemy that you're fighting is not the enemy out there. The enemy is usually in a me. It's right here that I'm fighting. All those things that have happened in my life that have twisted my appetites in life. And as I'm renewed through church and through God, man, then I can reach the destiny and the devil no longer has anything in me. I hope you receive that today. I want to pray with you. I know it's Pastor Aaron's custom as is mine. I want to pray with you before you leave. I want to pray about your relationship with Christ today. And then I want to pray God's blessing on your life. So with nobody moving around, heads bowed, eyes closed all over this place, you say, Pastor Ken, I heard your message today. And the fact of the matter is I'm not even on my way to God's destiny for my life because I'm not serving him. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out, call you forward or anything like that. But if you're here today, you say, you know what? Today's the day I want to start my journey with Jesus. I want to become a follower of Christ. If that's you today, no one's looking around. You just real simple. You just feel God tugging at you and calling you into the family of God. And you say, man, that's me today. I just slip up my hand all over this place. Would you just do that right now? That's me. Want to get my life right with Christ? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's three. There's God bless you. Four, five, six. Anybody else? Anybody else? I count because it matters. Seven. Anybody else? We're just going to pray a prayer. There's seven hands today. I see one more. God bless you. All right. I'm going to just say a prayer. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, He's faithful and just. I'm not going to ask anybody to repeat it, but those eight of you that raised your hand, just in your own way, just you just kind of follow along and say it in your own way to God. I'm just going to say it as an example, and the Christians are going to rejoice, and all of heaven is getting ready to rejoice. So, Father, I thank You for Your grace. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Come into my life. Take control over my life. Be my Lord and Savior. God, from this day forward, I want to serve you and discover your destiny for my life. I receive your son, Jesus Christ, to lead and direct me. And God, that I could overcome, the, tem- I can triumph over the temptations that come my way. I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. I thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do you know the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one person says that prayer? So as a church, could we just join in that celebration and welcome eight people into the family of God? Amen a connection card? A connection card, yeah. If you prayed that prayer today, I know there were eight hands that I saw go up. Would you just take a minute before you leave here today? Fill that connection card out and just check the box that said, I've made a commitment to Christ today. One of the ministry team will follow up with you just to help you. As the video said, it's a hassle free guarantee. We're not going to bother you, but we just want to help you along your journey because God has great plans for your life. Amen, everybody. Would you stand with me, everybody? I want to pray God's blessing on you before you get out of here today day. And uh, I just want you to receive this prayer right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask your blessing on your people. I pray this week would be filled with the discoveries of your mercy and grace in our life. God, I pray that our children would be protected, our relationships would be enriched, our marriages would be enhanced. I pray that prosperity and blessing and protection and promotion would overcome every obstacle the enemy wants to throw in our way and find our home. God, may we be surprised this week by your goodness in our life. I pray that on this church and pray continued blessing on Pastor Aaron and Amanda and their family and their lead leadership and your blessings on Coastline Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody.